welcome to the Statelis Die podcast. My name is Jenny Donnelly, and we are on a still journey. Keyword, journey. It's a journey. It's a process, and we're going to get there. Thank you so much for joining us. I believe that you are going to experience rest in a whole new way just because you have been tuning into these podcasts and you're listening. You are subscribed to the emails and you are reading. And this is a revelation that you are going to have and be able to give to the people that you love around you. So let's review. Rest is not the act of resting. That's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the behavior patterns or maybe the idea that we're just going to unplug and get away from our responsibilities, take a break, that kind of thing. That's what I used to think rest was. I used to think it was just take a break, leave your responsibilities. And you know what? That's not very realistic because I have five children. I have a church. I have all sorts of things that just can't get put down for very long because they are needed. I am needed. I am needed in the process of taking care of these things. So when I sat down with the Holy Spirit and he said, hey, listen, you do not understand the rest that I have for you. You do not understand this beautiful place called rest. And I was like, hold up. It's a place. What do you mean? And he shared with me that it was the center of the tornado, so to speak. It was where everything was perfectly still. And instead of wishing my life away, wishing away the moment, wishing away the deadline, wishing away the midnight hours up with the kids, wishing those things away, he said, you know what? You can find rest and relief right in the middle of craziness. And I thought, well, there's hope in that because if I were to unplug from my responsibilities and that was the only way for me to find rest, that's super disheartening because I can't put stuff down all the time when I need relief and I need peace. So he wanted me to find a 24-7 peace and the Bible does talk about it. Hebrews 4, chapter 4, talks about this place of rest. It's the promise that God has for us. So there are seven ways that God identified to me. He showed me seven ways to find calm in the chaos. So today we're talking about the first way to find rest, the first way to enter the place of rest. And it is a place and rest is also a person and his name is Jesus. So what is this first way? We're going to be talking about leaning, lean into Jesus. L-E-A-N. That's what we're talking about today. So here's a little story for you. You know, you guys know I love word pictures, right? You know I love helping us understand a concept through actual life experience. Well, I was sitting in my chair one morning in my living room, and I got up way before my kids did, and I heard one of them cry from upstairs, and so I shot up out of my chair to run upstairs, and I got up so quickly that the blood left my head. (laughs) And I was like, whoa, and I almost fell over. And so I reached out to grab the cabinet as I was walking by and I had to stop and lean on the cabinet and let all the blood come back to my body. Later on, the Lord shared with me that this was a perfect picture of how we tend to deal with life's dizzy spells. What could be a dizzy spell? Well, it could be simply that Your child got on the bus, off to school, wave goodbye, goodbye, have a great day, and you come back in the house only to find that they've left their lunch on the kitchen counter, and you're like, no, now I have to run lunch to them, and I have to do all this stuff that I did not plan on doing, and now my schedule is interrupted, my morning is interrupted, and so it's just an opportunity to be irritated, or it's an opportunity to be in rest, 
depending on how your still journey is going. <laughs> and there's no condemnation in that. It's just, it is what it is. And I'm going to tell you right here, just side note, I am not living in rest 100% of the time. Let me tell you what, it is an everyday practice for me. I have to get up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm about to get up. Are you here for me? Are you going to help me? Are we doing this together? Or am I all alone? Please tell me that you're here. And of course, he says, I'm here, Jenny. We're going to do this together. You're not alone. Because that tends to be one of the fears that we've talked about in previous podcasts. That is one of the fears that tends to sneak up on me is, hey, I think you're doing this all alone. And I'm like, hi, I see you. I see you, fear. You are such a liar. Holy Spirit, are you with me or am I by myself? And he says, nope, I'm right here. So that's the one that I continually have to revisit. But let's talk about the dizzy spells of life. So there's the, there's the little irritations. There's the, the lunch that you have to pick up and now get in the car and you have to get some makeup on and brush your teeth and walk in the school and do all the things and get that lunch to your child all trying not to be mad at your child for leaving it there, okay? Then there's the dizzy spells that are much more catastrophic. We will have some podcasts here and some episodes in the future talking about grief, talking to people who have lost children. We're talking a whole nother realm of life punching you in the gut. Is there rest when life throws you a big blow like that? These are really good questions to ask. And they can't be solved with just an idea or a theory. We have to experience this. That's why it's a journey because we're not going to be talking about the idea of rest or the theory of rest and go, oh, that was a really little inspirational message I heard today. We're going to have to experience it. We're going to have to actually practice it. And so in these podcast episodes, I don't want to just present to you an idea that inspires you. I want to send you into the practice of rest because practicing it and experiencing it for yourself is actually what's going to change you and change your life. So let's talk about these dizzy spells. Well, every one of us experience it, and I would say probably daily. Something has the opportunity to throw us for a little loop, and something unexpected happens. Something comes that's like, oh, that is not my vision for my day, what's happening. And so in those life dizzy spells, what the Lord showed me was, that we will do just what I did when I popped up out of that chair. We're going to lean on something to hold us up. And I have a few listed here. Maybe it's irritability. That used to be one really easy grab for me. And I would even attach irritability to stress. So what I would do is I would go, oh, here comes a little moment for me. So I'm going to grab some stress and kind of be irritable. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my family and my husband and the people around me feel a little bit of irritability, maybe a little angst, because I don't know how else to get through this moment except for just to be stressed and wear it on my sleeve. <laughs> so irritability was a really easy grab for me. And what's so interesting about these easy reaches are they feel like they're getting us down the road a little bit. They actually make us feel like it's working. Like, hey, I got through that moment. I might have had to use stress and irritability to do it, but I ended up where I needed to end up. I got on the other side of it. And so I'm just going to present to you a question. Is there an, a better way? Is there a better way to get through a dizzy spell? Is there a better leaning opportunity? And I want you to stick with me because we're going somewhere very important. Maybe sadness. You know, when I was a kid, I learned to lean on sadness. That was like, you know what? I'm sad right now, so I'm just going to lean on sadness to prop me up. 
in this moment. I remember feeling like one of those kids where, hey, those two girls are over there playing and they didn't invite me. I mean, I have playground memories. I remember being bullied in sixth grade pretty severely. And I remember feeling so sad and so lonely, even going to tell my teacher, those boys popped the air out of my tires. They took my shoe and threw it in the canal. And I remember my teacher going, okay, Jenny, because every day was a little dramatic for me. And I'm sure my teacher was like, I just don't know if I can deal with this kid another day. And I was crying because I really was being bullied. But I learned sadness kind of became a friend. It became my little playmate because I didn't know how to file this rejection. I didn't know what to do with kids making fun of me or kids throwing my shoe in the canal. I didn't know how to process getting on my bike and the air was popped out of my tire and my little classmates are the ones that did it. What do you do with this type of emotion, especially when you are in sixth grade? It's pretty rough, right? So for me, sadness became my little friend. And then later in life, it became irritability. So I don't know what it's been for you. You know, for some people, I've talked extensively about this with people. And for some people, it's pornography. For some people, they say, this is the only way that I feel better. This is the only way that I feel that this emotion on the inside gets a sense of relief is through pornography or alcohol. When I got into college and I felt sad and lonely, just like I did in sixth grade, it just followed me all the way to college. I found that alcohol gave me a temporary numbness. It didn't make me feel so sad. It kind of made me feel a little lighter until the next morning. And that was brutal for sure. And especially the shame that came with all the drunken decisions I made. Lots of shame, lots of guilt. And so alcohol was only this temporary fix and it dropped me off in a deeper place of sadness. I talk about my testimony in my book a lot. I really kind of gut myself and throw it all out there for you to read because I want you to know that I have gone through the trenches of depression. I've gone through sin. I've gone through shame. I've gone through leaning on things that were false supports. Maybe it is social media. You know, I didn't have social media. I'm that old. I didn't have that growing up. But you don't have to be young to be leaning on the wrong thing. We can lean on the wrong thing being 70, 80, 90 years old and maybe never lean on Jesus for our support. I know a lot of people that choose food. I think food's a big one. Food is interesting because I believe it carries nurturing properties. It, it carries this ability to make us feel a little better for a minute. It is also what we tie to what a mother might do for us. A mom fixes us food, grandma fixes us food. And so I see a lot of people who are needing a really deep nurturing and a deep inner healing and just a hug from the Holy Spirit, to be quite honest. It's like, Holy Spirit, come and mother me. And I'm not saying the Holy Spirit's a man, but what I am saying is the Holy Spirit carries mothering properties and nurturing qualities. And sometimes what we're looking for in the Holy Spirit, we go to food. Food says, oh, I feel a little bit better. I feel like somebody nurtured me. And food can be really tricky because it's not like a um, like alcohol or drugs. You know, we can live without alcohol or drugs, but we can't live without food. 
So food can be tricky. It can be a very addictive substance because we do need to eat. And yet we do need to not eat when we're using food as a relationship. One of the things that the Holy Spirit shared with me, he said that out of this revelation, Jenny, people would get delivered from a food addiction. I get so excited about that because I believe that there's many people listening that are using food to lean on. The moment you get stressed or the moment you have a deadline or the moment you have to get in the car and go to school and bring the lunch to the kids, whatever it might be that you feel that anxiety rise up on the inside of you, I believe that many people are reaching to food because there's a little bit of a rush, a little bit of a, okay, I feel better. Isn't it interesting that when anxiety or stress, whatever you want to call it, worry, anxiety, stress, when it rises up, when the water level starts rising within us, isn't it interesting that we need to feed it immediately? It's like a crying baby. What does it want? What does she want? What does he want? Give it to him. (laughs) Give the baby the toy. They are screaming. Give the baby the food. And it's like that thing inside of us is crying, and we're like, just make it be quiet. And sometimes we've been using food to make it be be quiet. But really what I want to challenge is, is it making it quiet? Maybe temporarily, but then doesn't it scream for more later? When the food wears off, doesn't it say I need some more? And so I want in this moment of this conversation with you, I want us to say, hold on a minute. What if in the moment that I start knee-jerk reaction, reacting, and I reach for the food, I reach for the alcohol, I reach for the pornography, I reach for the anger, I reach for the isolation. Maybe you reach for disassociation. Maybe you reach for isolation, shut down. I'm done. I'm gone. Bye-bye. You know, one of the things I used to do, and I don't talk about this in the book because it actually wasn't in my frame of mind, but one of the things that I used to do was sleep. And I found You know, after irritability wore off, guess what I needed to do? I needed to go to sleep. And so I would run to sleep. Even if I wasn't tired, I found that I could lay down and I could just exit the emotions that I was feeling. I could exit the pain. I could could find relief in leaning on sleep. Now, do we need naps? Do we need sleep? Yes. (laughs) Just like food, we need food. But is sleeping going to be my primary way of finding peace and rest? Is food going to give me the rest that God speaks about in the Bible? Is rest really found in these things? Or is rest found in Jesus? Well, I think you all know the answer. We're on a still journey. We know the answer, but we need to experience it. So one of the things that happened to me, it was very interesting is I was looking through a drawer one day in my kitchen and I was looking for a vitamin packet and it just comes in this little tiny packet and I knew that I had at least one packet in that drawer because I'd seen it there. And so I started pushing around everything in this drawer, like side to side and just, you know, moving around all this stuff. And I said to my assistant, I said, where did this go? I just had this in here. And she was in the kitchen and I said, have you seen this packet? I can't find it anywhere. I thought it was in here. She walks over to me behind my shoulder and she reaches over across me and points to it and says, it's right there. And this is the crazy thing. Okay. 
It was not a packet that she was pointing to. It was an entire box. The entire box of packets was not only right in front of me, I was pushing it side to side (laughs) the whole time. And the Lord, again, he speaks to me through these types of life experiences. And he says, Jenny, the rest I have for people is so available and so big, but people are looking for it in little tiny portion sizes, such small packages that they don't see the answer, who is me. I am the answer. Here I am. See me? Nope, because I'm looking for rest in the littlest, tiniest package. And because I wasn't looking for a box of vitamin packets, I didn't see 14 packets in a box. I could not find the one little tiny one I was looking for. And so I can say this, if I'm looking for God, I'm going to find him because he's right here. But if I'm looking for rest in the form of 3 a.m., get up and get in the pantry, I'm looking for food. I'm looking for the tiniest bit of rest. I'm looking for little tiny crumbs falling off the table. And I'm just on the floor scraping for rest in tiny little, tiny little nibbles. And that's what I have found even in my, before entering into this journey is I would look for rest in the little things. I would look for it in the little irritable moments. I would look for it in the nap. I would look for it in, let me just go get a massage. Nothing wrong with a massage, but I'm telling you, it doesn't carry the same magnitude as the portion of peace. Do you know who calls himself the portion of peace? Jesus does. In the word of God, he says, I am peace. I am your portion. He is actually what we get to eat. We get to come and feed on Jesus. And this is what I want to do. There's so much more to this revelation of leaning. I'm going to to tell you another story here in a moment. But I want to take a, a moment here for every person who is leaning on food. Let's just, let's just park the conversation right there. If you're leaning on food and it brings you a little bit of temporary relief, you know it's temporary, you know it is, but it brings you that temporary relief and you're just not sure what to do, I want to ask you, would you, the next time, today, tonight, in the middle of the night, in the middle of the afternoon, whenever it is that you reach for food, would you trust me in that moment And say, okay, I recognize that right this second, I feel that my only answer is food. Maybe for some of you, it's alcohol. Maybe for some of you, it's, I just, I have to go look at something on the internet. I'm not supposed to be looking at this, but I have to do it because it brings me a a dopamine response. It brings me a high that I need right now to escape this pain. I'm going to ask you, would you have the courage in that moment to open your hands and say, I'm not going to grab that. Jesus, the only thing better than this quick fix would be you. But I'm having a hard time believing that you will come in and you will ease my pain, that you will ease the stress, that you will ease the anxiety, that you will ease the pain, that you will ease the irritability, the sadness, the anger, the disconnect, the disassociation, the escape. I'm having a hard time believing that you are actually going to come and ease my pain. However, I listen to this podcast and Jenny is challenging me to draw on the Holy Spirit, on supernatural help, 
Let me tell you this, friends. You will not find relief in yourself. That's why you reach for something. That's why we reach for things. That's why we lean on things. And so what I want to do right now is I want to challenge you. In the moment that you reach for the thing that you normally reach for, I want you to say, I'm going to be honest right now, Lord. I don't know if you're big enough to come and flood me. I need you to be real. See, this is where religion can't help us. Doing religious things, this doesn't help us. It's like, nope, nope. Going and just reading my Bible to be a good Christian won't take away this pain. It won't take away this stress. Going and doing something, quote, unquote, Christian-like to try to get close to God. No, this is the moment that you have to just drop your weapons and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, come and help me. Be my supernatural help. Be my portion in this moment. And I just need you to stop. You might even have to get on your knees. But stop. I just kind of say stop, drop, and roll right here. Just stop. Drop to your knees and roll into the arms of Jesus. This is not something that we do religiously. This is an attitude of receiving receiving. Do you remember the last episode when we talked about um, forgiveness? Forgiveness, where we just receive the love of God, and that's actually our answer to forgiveness. And then in the podcast before that one, we talked about lying in the presence of God and just receiving his love. So these are all tying together. It's all leading us to the same place. It's leading us to a place of love, receiving his love, not trying to be religious, not trying to do religious things, but just stopping and saying, I'm going to receive you, Holy Spirit. You're going to need to be real. See, this is where religion can't help. But the person of Christ, he is going to race into your heart and your mind. I promise you he'll do that. You just have to stop and ask him and be available to him. But remember... It's like that drawer. I was looking for something so small, and I had to have somebody point out the bigger solution, the bigger portion size. And that's what I'm doing right now is I'm saying the bigger portion of peace is God himself, and he is with you. He is around you. He's in front of you, behind you, overhead. He's underneath. Every direction you look, there he is. He comes in such magnitude that sometimes we don't see him because we're looking for something so much less than him. And so I want to bring up this scripture in Psalms 46, 1. And I just want us to feast on this. Psalms 46, 1 in the NIV says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. See, this is God's word. And he says, I'm backing up my word. I will not let the word go out and return void. No, God says, my word will not return void. And so what we're doing when we stop in the moment that we want to go to pornography, that we want to go to alcohol, that we want to go to irritability, maybe there's some of you listening. I know this for a fact. I can hear the Holy Spirit saying there's some of you that yell. You yell at the people around you, the ones that love you, the ones that you don't know if they love you. You don't yell at those people, but you love, you, you love your children, but you yell at them because it's a form of release. Can I tell you that there's no condemnation in Christ? Can I tell you that it's going to be okay? It's going to be okay, but you need to know that God is your strength and he's your refuge. He's an ever-present help in trouble. And so this is what I ask. God, who are you? Well, in this scripture, if I ask that question, the scripture says, God, you're my refuge and my strength. God, I feel weak right now. I need your strength. 
and I feel open to the attack of an addiction. I feel so vulnerable right now. I feel so tormented right now. I feel there's a hand behind me pushing me to the refrigerator in the middle of the night. Okay, so I need a refuge. I need you to war for me. I need you to be my strong tower. Are you my refuge, God? That's what he says in Psalms 46.1. And then where are you, God? Well, in this scripture, there's so much to it. He's, where are you? He's ever present. You're right here. You're right now. You're for always. You are here. You're ever present. Let's go back. What does it say? God is our refuge and strength and ever present. Not a sometimes present. Not a, well, if you read your Bible enough, present. Well, if you went to church last week, then I would be present with you. No, 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 no. God says unconditionally, no matter what you're doing, I am with you. You can't get away from me. In fact, in the Psalms, it says that David was saying, no matter where I go, there you are. I'm trying to get away from you, God. I can't get away from you. (laughs) Isn't that great news? We can't get away from God. He says he's ever present. That means in the moment of your distress, in the moment of your dizzy spell, in the moment that life throws you a big punch in the gut, you can say, wait a minute, God, you're right here. I'm not going to reach for the tiny little crumbs. I'm not going to reach for the sin. I'm not going to reach for the, the thing that can't really sustain me, that can't hold me up, God. I'm about to faint. My knees are about to buckle. But God, can I lean on you? I wrote this down this morning. I wrote these words. You don't have to hold yourself up. When I knew that I'd be talking today on this podcast, I just wrote these words and the Holy Spirit said, make sure you tell them, Jenny, you do not have to hold yourself up. The Father says, I'll do it. I'll hold you up. Let me hold you up. And it says in this psalm, let's go back to it, ever-present help in trouble. So God, if you're ever-present, what are you doing around me? Well, he's helping us. And with what? Well, that scripture says an ever-present help in trouble. He wants to be our help in trouble. I want you to take Psalms 46.1 very personal. I want you to write it down. I want you to meditate on it. And I could have picked hundreds of other verses to do the very same thing. But I'm just giving you one portion. Psalms 46.1. God, who are you? You are my refuge and you are my strength. Where are you, God? You're ever-present. What are you doing around me? Oh, you're helping an ever-present help in what time? In trouble. He is so faithful to do that. And that's who he was to me. I leaned on alcohol. I leaned on all the other things that could not give me sustained rest. Did it make me feel good temporarily? Yes. Yes, sin does feel good for a moment. That's why we go back to it. But it drops us off further in a hole than we were before. I want to tell you a a very interesting story about leaning before we end this broadcast, and please stay with me, but I want you to know that even though I wrote this book over two years ago, and it's already been published, it's already released, I still look at this as a handbook for me. About a month ago, my husband and I had the great privilege of officiating what I never, ever, ever wanted to do in my whole life, and that was a funeral. And when I became a minister and we got ordained, I thought, Lord, I will marry people. I will minister. I will pray for people. I will do whatever it takes. I will get in the trenches, but I don't ever want to do a funeral. I never want to bury somebody. God, please know I'd never want to do that. I don't think I'd be good at that. I wouldn't be able to do that. And so the very first funeral presented itself a little over a month ago. 
And it was somebody that was near and dear to my heart and many of you. She was a second mother to my children, and she was in my home for um, almost five years, Monday through Friday. And her name was Linda Snackenberg, and she um, went to be with the Lord on December 18th. She went to bed one night on a normal night and woke up in heaven, and she's greatly missed. But when her family said, we want you and Bob to, um, to run the memorial service and to be the one to host this, I thought, no, Jesus, no, no, I can't do this. Of course, I said yes, yes, yes to the family. And inside, I was saying, Lord, I can't do this. There's no way I can do this. And I felt that way. I felt that I couldn't do it. But I knew that it would be a great honor, a great privilege, and it was the request of the family. And so a couple days leading up to the funeral, I was able to distract myself with just the things you know, let's make sure this is ready and make sure that the slideshow's ready and all these things. And then the day before the funeral, no longer could I distract myself and it was time to really face what was going to happen the next day. And I told the Lord, I don't know if I can do this. I don't want to do this. Nothing about it feels good to me. And I even thought about all my friends that would be coming that day, and that didn't even cheer me up. It was like, nope, I could go all day, and I don't want to see a single person. I don't even care that those people are coming. They have nothing that can comfort me. This is awful. This is horrible. This is sudden. I really want to run for the hills is what I want to do. The morning I woke up for this funeral, um, I was going about my morning, and I thought, Lord, I... I'm losing my, uh, my balance. That's how I felt. I felt so dizzy. My spirit felt like it was just being tossed all over the place. And the Lord said, okay, let's do this. And I was in my bathroom, and he said, I want you to lean against the cabinet. Lean, Jenny. Well, we, we both, God and I both know my book. <laughs> but what he wanted me to do was actually lean and I put my hands out, and I leaned into the cabinet, and I put all of my body weight up against the cabinet. And he said, Jenny, you don't have to hold yourself up. Shut your eyes and memorize this feeling. And I shut my eyes, and I imagined myself going through this sweet celebration of one of the most fierce warriors that's ever lived in the kingdom, Linda Schnackenberg. And I imagined going through the celebration of life that day in that posture. I had to get the weight off of myself. I had to get the weight off of my own feet. I had to get the weight off of my own mind and my own heart. And I could feel the cabinet in front of me. The cabinet wasn't going anywhere. But I had to feel the weight put on something else. And he said, that cabinet... Now I want you to imagine it's me. Memorize the leaning. Memorize this. And I just had to do a body scan, like body, soul, spirit. Lock it in. Memorize this. And I had to build a mold. And all of a sudden, I felt my spirit relax, my soul relax, my body relax. And he said, okay, got it? This is what we're doing today, Jenny. You will be leaning on me all day.
that is how I got through that memorial service. And it was so wonderful. It was so sweet. It was full of so many tears. And yet I did not feel stress. Now I was stressed until I leaned on the cabinet, but I felt safe. I felt loved. I felt safe being vulnerable. I felt safe being sad in front of people. I felt safe crying. I felt safe not knowing if I would have the words. And I'm telling you that that moment of leaning was so incredible. It was so amazing because he said this, Jenny, I'm your refuge. I'm your strength. I'm here. I'm ever present. I'm helping you, Jenny. I know that today feels like trouble, but I am here. I'm not going anywhere. I am immovable. You don't have to hold yourself up. So this is your activation. I want you today, at some point, I want you to find something that's totally secure. It's not going anywhere. Probably a wall. Maybe your car. Don't use another person because they move. (laughs) But lean up against something that's not going to move. Do exactly what I did that day and just lean up against it and say, okay, let me memorize this. And then I want you to pull a situation. Maybe it's you're going to go through labor. You're pregnant and you're very scared. You're like, oh, this is my first baby. Or maybe it's your third baby and you just, this has always been a hard day for you to go through labor. I don't know what it is that's coming up in your life very soon, but I promise you it's something. Something is looming around the corner, something that you probably don't have a lot of courage for. And now I want you to memorize that feeling of leaning. And now I want you to pull that moment into the leaning and say, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to lean. I'm going to shift the weight. I'm going to shift the pressure. And my posture is leaning on the Father. I think you can do that. I know you can. If I can do it, so can you. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I'm having so much fun. It's such a privilege to take you through the still journey, and it is a journey. Be nice to yourself. Don't say mean things to yourself anymore. That doesn't do any good. Be kind to yourself. Be compassionate to yourself. And don't forget to lean. Follow us at john1930.com. That takes you to the Tetelestai Ministries website. We know it's hard to say Tetelestai, and we know it's even tougher to spell it. So john1930 is a shortcut to get to our website. Make sure you subscribe to our emails. There are lots of good emails coming out. You'll even see our events on that website because we want you to come to a drenched retreat. We want you to come and see us in person somewhere, get your life changed at one of our events because they are truly life-altering. Let me tell you, lots of good stuff happens there at these drenched events. And you can even subscribe to our podcast. Share this with a friend if it's encouraged you so you can encourage somebody else. And we'll see you next episode.